because isn't it great that nobody is ever satisfied? Most everyone is horrible. There's a ton of sex. I don't recognize any of these people. And now for a particularly intense episode of The Big Stream, I am Kyle Coster. That's Stephen Douglas in the other box. Industry. Wow. There is a lot to discuss. The second season just wrapped up. I've been in since the beginning. I have seen the popularity grow online as more people have caught wind of this show through word of mouth. I guess the best way to describe it would be succession light but my takeaway is it's just as filling really good show i loved it we're here to discuss all the ins the outs the what have you's the financial implications a lot of the stuff that we straight up don't understand steven talk to me a little bit about your journey with this program which came i think through my recommendation i had i had never heard of this show in my life until uh the second season started approach and I saw somebody said, oh, succession or uh, yeah, succession uh, Industries coming back. That's a show that I watched in the, during the pandemic that I'd forgotten about. And then I think uh, probably after the maybe around the first episode, you mentioned something. I'm like, oh, maybe I should check this out. And a lot of the billing I saw for it was uh, a cross between uh, succession and euphoria. When I started getting into succession a couple of years ago, I there was this joke I, I came up with in my head. I'm like, you know, if a good name for a succession porno parody would be succession. And without knowing it, I had apparently uh, invented industry because it, it's just it's it's succession, but without any comedy almost and just all the most intense sex scenes you can imagine. You know, what's so funny is the thing that initially attracted me to this show is that the pilot episode was directed by Lena Dunham. And I'm a big fan of girls. I got to it late. I thought that it was really good. And I watched it. And we can't talk about the show without talking about the differences between season one and season two, which are both excellent for their own reasons. Now, personally, I preferred the first season where you follow a young stable of people who are trying to hack it at peer point, trying to get full-time jobs through this trial period as they prepare for riff, everything centers around whether they're going to be extended long-term offers to stay there and make obscene amounts of money. And it's really about their social lives and them acclimating to that new world. And there's a lot more relationship stuff. A lot of the actual business stuff is in the background. And I thought that that worked a lot better. And then in season two, it did feel like it kind of followed the same playbook that Succession did. I thought they laid it on a little thick. It's a lot more plot driven, a lot more like scheming, a lot more factions trying to figure out what the next move is, what the angle is. And I think that that kind of came at the detriment of some of the character development. The number one star of this show, the one who gets top billing and is really the straw that stirs the drink like 1980s Daryl Strawberry is Harper Stern. 
I got to say, it's really a testament to what they're able to do that this unlikable of a character is mm-hmm. able to not push people away too much that they don't want to watch it because I have disliked her from the very first scene. She is not likable. She is sociopathic. Her behavior gets worse and more malicious as things goes on, but she doesn't like have that softer tone, that brokenness that we see in Kendall Roy, if we're going to continue the comparisons. I think it was a really big achievement to create a program that focused the camera on one person for so long and told the story essentially through their eyes and yet to have them be detestable, not detestable in the way that like a lot of like big business tycoons are portrayed, but more detestable in what people will do to become a part of that world. I actually think it's kind of hard to find anyone on this show that you would that you would say is really actually likable. Most everyone is uh, horrible, both to uh, themselves and those around them. And it's all for financial gain most of the time and career advancement. I mean, I, I understand it seems pretty straightforward. That's that's the world that this is portraying. Um, nothing bad seems to ever happen to anyone with money. In the people that don't come from money, like Harper and um, and Rob, when they get money, they start to do bad things. And as much as they change, and even with Harper, we learned the second season that she was, even when she didn't have money and she was back with her family, she was doing some pretty awful things herself uh, to her brother, at least, um, it seemed. So... It is hard to make a show like this about awful people. And like I said, I it just doesn't have the the humor. It's not, never really played as a comedy, the kind of way that succession is. Um, all the insults are kind of from a place of uh, meanness. And the fact that the show is kind of so breezy most of the time it, it's very watchable it's bingeable it's all that stuff it's it's kind of, it's very unique in that i think i agree because it's dark and yet it's scored with music that feels like it's from like a zach efron movie from 2012 where it's kind of hopeful you're leading up to something where you know the whole world is in front of you and it really brought me back emotionally to a time when i was young like I like shows like that for the same reason I liked girls is I thought I remember being that age and feeling like the opportunities were endless, but also kind of being in this cycle of abusing my body and tanking relationships and putting myself above everything else and just kind of like dehumanizing myself. And I think that we all kind of go through that stage to various levels, but there is this like sense where everything is possible, but you know that it's like a bottomless pit. Nobody is ever fulfilled or happy. And I think that's one of the signature lines of season two is when Eric, who I think was our favorite character on the show, and we can get to him in a second, says, isn't it great that nobody is ever satisfied? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Eric, he's kind of one of the... It was one of his uh, biggest roles, kind of his chance to 
I don't. What was what is the actor's name? Well, it's Ken Long. He's famous Ken from Long. being for being in Lost as part of the Dharma. Yeah. yeah, I I mean I liked him from that, but and he's like one probably the only person on the show until uh, the second season with uh, when one of the Duplass brothers shows up. Everybody else is young and kind of unknown. I'm not familiar with anybody on this show except for Ken Long, and he's he's really good in it. Yeah, I, I thinking back, it's I, I I never really had um that kind of uh exact experience like you were in the uh you were working media in person like a like a real person you know uh, all my stuff I I had a different career and you know when I started working in in media doing sports blogging you know that was kind of, I wasn't in a big city I wasn't hanging out with people thinking about like getting out of college and meeting up with friends every night to uh to get drinks or whatever you know we never we never experienced anything quite like this i don't have any great stories about um doing things in uh <laughs> in uh workout facility bathrooms at my office as it were so i i don't connect with it on that level but i i, I do i do enjoy watching the uh the young people try and sow their oats as it were we should just talk about why we like the show. And I kind of want to keep this largely spoiler free because I know that a lot of people haven't watched it. And I do think that there are some key things that would ruin your anticipation for the show because it is really good at presenting situations where how are they going to get out of this one? And there's a lot of different ways. There's a million chess moves that I think that if you telegraph what's going to happen, they're not going to land the same way. For me, I love the way it shows what work can be, especially most the most competitive work, um, where it's people who are just driven by ambition for like the most hollow and empty of endeavors, which is making more money, and they know it, and they don't try to be anything else. I love the fact that this show is so based on relationships, yet all the romantic relationships are largely toxic. Uh, you mentioned the sex. There's a ton of sex in it, especially in season one, but they dispense with any type of like romance in feelings. Mm. And a lot of the times it's transactional. And I think it's really kind of like animalistic where you feel like maybe a bit voyeuristic about watching it. But I also think that it's more true to reality than a lot of different shows where it's like these two people meet, they flirt for a while, then they have these healthy relationships. It just kind of showcase how everybody views it as a conduit. And essentially to them, sex is just something that they need to continue to survive. And I think it's just, you're watching people who are driven by the most basic and primal of needs. And I think that by not, trying to make them heroes but not really trying to vilify them either they the show strikes a nice tone where it's just like okay well this is the world and either you're into the world or you're not in the world and it, and it forces the audience to strive to find reasons to like these people and to see things from their perspective which can be extremely difficult at sometimes but i actually think through the series there's a handful of people where i largely grew to enjoy spending time with them the sex scenes, uh, it's it's all very in the moment. It seems like these, I mean, these people are all just built on uh, on being motivated by money and 
class and uh and, and adrenaline and drugs and it's just like if so, if they think even for a brief moment like oh i, I might want to have sex with this person they just do it in whatever uh whatever form it may be and also there's uh sexual assault and uh you know there there's a lot of problematic sex um yeah especially when it comes to uh the the way that a lot of it is transactional and literally transactional like uh this is this is how uh deals get done very problematic and then the way that these people make these uh problems go away uh it's it's kind of horrifying to think um of the way that these people are dealing with this and and the people that are responsible for them have to deal with it and just as much the the sex as as the drugs uh it's it's some very intense uh, drug use, uh, even on work nights, you know, where <laughs> these people are coming in, uh, hung over and need uh, a little, little pick me up to get going and get through the day to uh, do their um, bloodthirsty day trading. You know, it's just a, it's, it's a hell of a show for uh, people just that are go, go, go and, and do not have the convenience to uh, slow down and take a day off. Well, it is exciting and you feel exhilarating watching it. And the writing is so tight and deep. And I think I watched this show with the captions on and I would highly recommend doing that because what they do is they put every bit of background conversation that's happening on the trading floor on the screen. Yeah. And that's the best part because it doesn't have anything to do with the scenes, but you're able to see kind of like what that clubhouse sounds like, which is just insane. Okay, so I've noticed this too. Uh, this is one of the shows I watch with uh, subtitles all the time. I this is actually a question for you, so we can pause. But I I just don't understand how this is stuff that I cannot hear without the subtitles, and they're having these background conversations that are completely showing up on subtitles, which I think is super weird. There's just such a problem with sound design in movies and television right now that if you're not watching with subtitles you are completely missing out on everything that's where all the all the best conversations really are happening and the the way that they make everything in this show feel so uh important and and it's all just like these people that we don't care about uh making millions of dollars and trading stuff trading their stocks and their bonds and whatever buying and selling uh, but they do an incredible job of selling selling that to the audience and how good how important everything feels to us even though it has no consequence i think it just shows everything else that's going on and you you hear uh you know who stood out for this and i think laid the groundwork for him becoming one of the most important characters was rishi um like the main money guy on the floor it was always him bullshitting you got to hear the people on their calls to their clients the way they're breaking each other's balls really seeing the toxic environment that they created like there's no rest for the weary like if you're looking for any type of support you've come to the wrong place at pure point and i think that it really just shows these people needing even if that's not their default setting they so quickly get into that. And I think that they embrace that. Like, look at a person like, like Rob, who I think is 
the person I found the most likable on the show. He largely stayed away from it. The first season they dive deep into, he develops kind of a pretty nasty drug habit because the person that he admires the most is actually a heroin addict. He falls into it. And even in season two, which they really de-emphasize his character, which I thought was a real shame. He's been so corrupted by the experience and what he thinks he needs to do that he constantly makes the wrong choices, even though he knows that that's not what he should do. Another thing that stands out to me about this show is we've been waiting for so long. And I'm curious to hear if you agree with me on this is like when we watched television growing up and as we got a little bit older, it kind of felt like it was really hard for shows to reflect the moment that they were in and feel contemporary. This show feels so on the cutting edge of what's going on in the culture. Like everybody is vaping all the time. A lot of the conversation deals with uh, what it's like to work with these Gen Xers, how they see the world and kind of the way that the world operates through technology. Like you said, the Jesse Bloom character who's played by Jay Duplass in season two is a seminal and important figure. And I think will continue to be going forward. It's it's tough to tell that was sort of open-ended. He was magnificent. His performance too, just played it pitch perfect, but everything felt like it could be happening right now. Like it doesn't feel dated at all. And I think that it's really exciting to feel like you're in on something that's capturing the zeitgeist and reflecting it back to you in an authentic, if not overly dramatized way. Yeah. And the way that they pick up the second season uh, towards the end of, of the pandemic, which is apparently over now, a lot of the masks and different, uh, still people sterilizing stuff all the, all over and Harper still working from home, kind of uh, being shut in. You know, that that's that's going to feel of the moment for it's really going to set this show in its place in time forever. And the one thing I will say that did almost feel uh, out of date was by the time the second season came out and there's just a little bit of talk in the background sprinkled about about crypto and NFTs. And it's like by the time it came out, we had kind of uh, moved past that part in our lives where that was all we were talking about. But even still, I mean, they were... point, point taken, but the person who's interested in NFTs comes to the meeting and he's a total douchebag, right? Like yeah. he's yeah. the exact type of person who would be into it. And the advice that's basically given to him by Kenny, who forms the bond because they're both in rehabilitation programs, is that just forget about it, that they're stupid. Yeah. So they treat it with like derision and with the appropriate skepticism so even things like that it kind of feels like they're forward thinking also if we want to stay on that vein this show is highly political and the political system they're operating in you have the politics at pier point which are extremely cutthroat but also there are twinges about what's going on in britain right like a lot of discussion talks about the labor party and the guy who plays gus who doesn't want to be at Pierpoint F anymore after season one. Uh, you can feel that coming very early. So I don't feel like that's a super spoiler. He goes into politics because he has an acumen to it. And it feels like he operates within that system. His experience is indicative of one where he 
finally finds a conscience, but he finds that experience to be just as hollow and just as dead end. And there are so many storylines that go along with whether this merger is going to be allowed or if there's going to be anti-monopoly hearings, if there's going to be all these things that have to do with the way that the world works. It is not like this liberal bastion, right? Because it takes place in the financial sector where a lot of people, um, if they don't lean toward the middle, they're motivated by markets and by the economy. So their proclivities are to try to be more conservative when it comes to that type of stuff. I thought it was really good because it wasn't preachy and it certainly wasn't flowery and it certainly wasn't poetic, but I think that it kind of captured what's happening in, in the political world. And really showed that um, these people aren't really motivated by feelings. Uh, it's just, they don't care whatever makes them money really. So, I mean, it's such a, such an unmoving, unfeeling uh, way to look at the world, but uh, that's, that's kind of what, what drives these people, which is both sad and scary. Uh, yeah, Gus had, has a very uh, interesting uh, arc from the, from the beginning and the, the various things that happen to him trying to keep it spoiler free, but just the way that, you know, he, he's, he's a rich guy and coming from a rich family with a great uh, college education. And, you know, as even as he, among other people tries to screw up uh, what he has going for him, you know, it, it, it just never happens. Another thing this show does well is it has a deep bench. Uh, it's the 2015 mm. Kansas City Royals, if you will. That's your sports and pop culture crossover uh, for the podcast. But it doesn't, you know, I mean, Harper is the main character. Yasmin also gets a tremendous amount of screen time. As we mentioned, Rishi grows uh, in importance. Well, Gus and Robert kind of fade into the background. But it's all the ancillary characters that really bring this thing to life. And I thought that the ability to kind of have like 25 or 30 people shuffling in and out and being so good in small windows, um, you know, like characters that you would forget like Daria who's in season one and is Harper's boss and then moves on Jackie, who was the woman trader who, you know, kind of like talks gruff and has her own unique personality. The addition of DVD, Danny Van Deventer, you know, he becomes one of the top five most important people by the end of season two, but they move him in slowly, right? Like he's kind yeah. of like presented as Eric's adversary, all the relationships that they have there. Yasmin's relationship with Maxim, who manages her father's money. Her father is a great character. That dynamic is wonderful. And just up and down you go. And whoever is on screen, it kind of felt like whatever was going on set there was like, if you have the ball, this is your moment to shine. It doesn't matter if you're not top build on this cast. You're every bit the equal. And I think that they're able to do that because nobody in this world ever backs down from someone because that's not how they got there. So it's like, even though power dynamics exist and even though show dynamics exist, it's who's ever on screen is going to be throwing a hundred miles per hour at all time. And it cuts so quickly and it doesn't dwell on things for so long that you don't get tired from it. Uh, I think that in a way that can be chaotic, it's supposed to feel chaotic. 
I also think it prevented it from feeling uh, a bit too much all the time because you'd be moving on to the next thing before you got sick of whatever was going on. Yeah, I was just thinking the way it's set up where they're all on set all the time. It's kind of like the office, but if it was all in accounting and creed and they all had uh, horrible drug and alcohol problems. I mean, some of some of the characters do have a large amount of growth, but like somebody like Harper throughout uh, two seasons kind of stays the same exact person. And you have somebody like Kenny who, who you know, cleans it, cleans his act up and he gets to he could probably gets to do the most interesting stuff around along with the Asmin. Uh, it's so it's no surprise that their two their two characters are kind of intertwined the entire time. I mean, it's just it is really such a deep, deep bench, uh, such a great ensemble. And like I mentioned before, it's like I, I don't recognize any of these people. And they're a lot of them are young and just from all over the greatness of the cast uh, to be able to find so many like kind of unknowns and make them work. And like this is kind of impressive. In total unpredictability too, if you want to look through the lens of Kenny, like on his face, he's the simplest character, right? He's kind of this doofus. He's kind of this Murray Hill asshole that you would not want to spend any time with. He doesn't seem to have a lot of redeeming qualities, but I'm looking at the IMDb right here and it says that he was in 15 episodes and through those 15 episodes, I could never get a grasp on what his deal was. I still don't know what his deal is. We go to the end of season two and he has uh, a pivotal conversation with Yasmin and I still don't really know what he was driving at. I still don't know what his motivations are. I still don't know what his ultimate game was. I don't know if he's this detestable person. I don't know if he's trying to do better and you go up and down every single person and every single character that's on this list. And you're never truly confident about what they're going to do next. And that mirrors the writing, which we can get into now, which is so jargony, which deals so much with what's happening in these markets that plebs like you and I simply don't understand. And you would think that would be a detriment where you'd be so lost. But the beauty is, is you don't really need to understand it. I think in succession, you have to kind of understand what's happening. And they do a little bit better of a job holding your hand, even though those stories are complex because you can understand, oh, this group is trying to gain power from this group. What's happening in industry is how is this going to make money? What's a long, what's a short, what's a leverage position? What's all this stuff? And it becomes so aggressively stacked on top of each other that you just got to stop trying to understand it. And in a way that's a blessing because you don't truly need to know what's going on because even when there's seminal moments where something happens, the immediate reaction of the actors tells you everything that you need to know. Like Harper is on the phone many times during this series and does something. And you're like, hey, what did she do there? I didn't fully understand it. And then you see that the way that other people react to it and you're like, okay, well, okay, well, this was duplicitous or she sold this person out. I think that dumbing the show down would have made it worse uh, if there had been like Adam McKay type explainers with Margot Robbie in a bathtub walking you through what all these terms meant. I actually thought that 
having it be a bit obtuse and mysterious added to the intrigue and amplified my enjoyment. Yeah, I think it's the specificity uh, without any hand-holding. They do a great job by just, I mean, yeah, the tone kind of explains what everything is without explaining it. So you understand what's good and bad. Uh, and it's much more specific, whereas Succession, it's much easier to understand because when it boils down to it in, on Succession, it's like this company wants to buy that company. This person wants to be president of the company. This person doesn't want them to be president of the company. Everybody at its core, it's everybody working against each other, everybody doing their alliances, which they will sell each other out at, uh, at the drop of a hat. It's, I mean, yeah, Succession, it's like, these are the people that are making Logan Roy his money. and But but Logan Roy doesn't really have time for all that uh, bullshit. Um, he just says uh, buy and sell and then all these people working and running around like rats uh, and fighting and uh, fighting over who gets to uh, do Logan's uh, day trading or whatever. I mean, I don't understand money. And it, it it's upsets me that it just comes down to uh, uh, who who do you who do you like to take you out for drinks at the end of the day? It's like, oh yeah, well you can uh, trade my stocks and uh, you can have a healthy commission because uh, we're good buddies. Sure, and it's bleak and it reflects yeah. the world that we're in. I do think that that's truly how things work. The last thing that stood out to me is a, a bit off the beaten path, but I wanted to mention it. A lot of British shows that you watch um, feel old and they kind of feel like they embrace their tradition of England and it doesn't feel as new and modern. But I thought setting the show in London and having them going all over Europe made things feel just different enough because we've seen a million shows in New York. Like I think getting the different, slightly tweaked perspectives on the way culture there made it fresh and exciting and i thought that every single place that you went was cool there's just something uh less depressing about these um alcoholics getting together in a british pub than in an american bar and just the the parties that aren't really parties they're just like people refusing to go to bed in people's uh flats instead of apartments it's it's just combined with the accents, there's just something more enjoyable about uh, this culture through this lens. Whereas if these were people on the New York Stock Exchange or whatever, yeah, it would probably be way too insufferable, which is probably why Harper made the right decision to go over there. The markets are about to open, so that means we need to get our ratings in. I'm <laughs> going to give this one, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it four out of four hedge funds. It's not the best show I've ever seen. It certainly has its flaws. If you weigh it against succession, it's definitely number two and not as good. But I just have a hard time sitting here thinking that I could have wanted more out of the experience. I looked forward to every Monday when a new episode was out. It was thrilling. Like I, I the week to week nature of it uh, was awesome. I needed the time to digest. There were very few misses there's only one episode i can think of that i didn't like and that's when harper reconnects with her brother i thought that that episode was by far the worst of the worst but when they kept to the script and they kept doing what they did best i thought that this thing just flew 
and there was everything that you would want in it. You know, like there was enough intrigue. There was enough eye candy. It was everything that you would really want. And I do think that we're going to see a glut of succession imitators. But I think that this one is largely going to emerge as capturing that vibe the best without seeming derivative. Yeah, this is like the the kids, the college graduate version of uh, the the Saved by the Bell, the new class of uh, Succession. I mean, not a sequel, but like just just the younger version of Succession, where you know we're we're businessing and we're businessing hard, and we're gonna we're gonna drink and we're gonna do our drugs hard because you know we business so goddamn hard. So, I mean, it, but it, it's, it just moves along. It's enjoyable despite not really having any people that are too fun. It's, it's a world that's fun to visit. It's bingeable, but if, if you hate these people too much, I can understand you not wanting to watch it. I mean, it, it's, it's not perfect. It's, it's not on that level, but it's definitely, uh, if we're doing out of four hedge funds, I would, I would give it a three. It's it's something I would recommend if you're if you have a void to fill while you're waiting for a new season of succession, then I you could do a lot worse than watching industry. It felt like pure entertainment. And I think sometimes you just really want that. Yeah, as much as pure entertainment can be about uh, the Me Too era without uh, actually showing any consequences for all the bad things. Yeah, it's uncomfortable at times, but it's it's very well done and moves right along. All right, that's it. That's uh, high praise by me. Uh, you know, I, I feel, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm getting to be too easy of a grader, but I really loved it, and we would both highly recommend it. This has been The Big Stream. I'm Kyle Koster. That's Stephen Douglas. If you're looking to invest with either of us, uh, don't, because we don't know how money works. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.